friends and welcome back to another episode of the Riddle Road Football Podcast. As you know, it is the most important podcast in the universe. My name is Josh Norris. Today is Thursday, March 1st. Happy 1st of March to all of y'all. That means it's day two of the NFL Combine with Friday's activities just on the horizon. Yes, people will actually start running on the field, meaning offensive linemen and running backs. 40s, and the workouts start at 9 a.m. Eastern, so be sure to check that out, or just check out my Twitter feed, because I'll be posting them all at Josh Norris on Twitter. So, for today's episode, and thank you all so much for listening to yesterday's, again, this is just going to be 10 minutes, a little wrap-up of the day, of the activities, of the news and notes. Uh, we had quarterback, wide receiver, tight end measurements, we had running back, offensive line, bench press, and then we had plenty of coach speak and GM talk at the podiums for his press conferences. Let's start off with those quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end measurements. Hey, guess what, everyone? We found out that Lamar Jackson is six foot two, 216 pounds, and has nine and a half inch hands. That is basically the exact same size as Andy Dalton. So unless you want to put Andy Dalton at wide receiver just based on size, you should not do that with Lamar Jackson either. And that type of thought process makes actually no sense to me. And I'll stop that rant there. Uh, wide receiver, NFL's research department actually figured this portion out, and it really stood out to me. Seven wide receivers measured six foot four inches tall or taller, and that's the most since 2003. Those seven wide receivers include FSU's Alden Tate, Equinemius St. Brown, Jaleel Scott, Alan Lazard, Marcel Aitman, some guy named Marquez Valdez Scantling, have not watched him, he apparently played at USF, and then also Jake Weineke out of South Dakota State. I've seen a number of players on this list. Scott, Lazard, and Aitman were all at the Senior Bowl, and Jake Weineke was at the East-West Shrine game. Uh, They're fun players. And look, it's important, it can be important, for wide receivers to have height so they can win contested. But we've seen plenty of big wide receivers not consistently win big. And all of you out there that have listened to any of these draft podcasts, whenever we talk about receivers, in its simplest form, receivers win in one of two ways, right? They either win in the small game or the big game. Small game meaning creating separation, sustaining it, winning after the catch. And the big game is creating that sliver of space, winning those 50-50 situations, and winning in those contested spots. Um, some, you know, can do both. Odell Beckham does both. Steve Smith used to do both. There's a number of players that can do both. But those are the rare types that can be true number one wide receivers for NFL teams. So again, in its simplest form, the position, they win one of two ways, and these six foot four wide receivers most likely win in the big game. So if they don't do that consistently, the question is what do they offer? I saw that there was an average height in this receiver class at the combine of six foot one and one eighth inches. That's almost exactly where Calvin Ridley of Alabama measured up today. Ridley was six foot and a half, 189 pounds 
Some might question that 189 pounds, thinking he's a little slight of frame. And to me, it, I'm not going to make a big deal out of any measurement for him. He is a receiver who creates separation and sustains it, and then is can be super electric after the catch as well in terms in terms of his breaks and creating space there. Cortland Sutton really stood out, an SMU wide receiver. Sigmund Bloom and I talked about Cortland Sutton last week. Look, if the pieces align, if it all comes together, Cortland Sutton has the traits and the tools to be a true number one wide receiver for an NFL team. And I'm not sure if I can say that for almost anyone else in this class. Maybe Equinemia St. Brown, but Cortland Sutton is fluid. He's fast. He can be very, very elusive after the catch. And he's still just growing into the position in many ways. So Cortland Sutton at six foot three and three eighths, 218 pounds, is someone to watch and definitely watch his on-field work as we go along this week. I'm expecting kind of a Demarius Thomas type profile for him. At least that's kind of what stood out to me when watching his game. And we know DT had a long way to go once reaching the NFL. And Cortland Sutton kind of has the same thing as well. DJ Moore, a lot of people like Daniel Jeremiah. I know my buddy Dane Brugler really likes him as well. He's kind of one of those rare instances where his college team listed him at a shorter height than he actually is. He was 5'11 on the Maryland's roster. He's six feet tall, 210 pounds, nine inch hands. And we got plenty of other measurements from Anthony Miller, who did not go to the senior bowl. Uh, Kiki Cutie's kind of this, again, I don't want to use the term frail, but he's um, kind of lightweight in terms of the position at 5'10", 181 pounds, and 8 and 3 eighths inch hands. Christian Kirk was 5'10", 201 pounds. I won't go through the whole roster, but you get the picture, right? You can go check those out pretty much anywhere. And the tight ends were massive. All but like Jalen Samuels, who's kind of miscast in that tight end group during this week's combine, uh, were at least six, six foot three inches tall. Um, or bigger from there. I mean, you have your big wide receivers in Dallas Godert, Mark Andrews, Mike Gesicki, Hayden Hurst. So frame-wise, they're all in-line types that hopefully their game can grow into that uh, as well. And hand sizes for quarterbacks, nothing stood out as a negative at all, all past the threshold, and we'll get into that a little bit with the Cleveland Browns later on. Uh, we also had the running back offensive line bench press. We also had the running back offensive line Bench press, by now, all of you know that Orlando Brown, the massive, and I mean massive, tackle out of Oklahoma, 6'8", 345 pounds, with 35-inch arms, only managed 14 reps on the bench press. My take, bench press might be the most worthless event and exercise during the NFL combine. Like, I, I don't know what it shows at all ever. I don't think that there's a tie to it being beneficial in the NFL. I think it should be, if it is measured, I think it should be tied to how long a player's arms are because that can be more difficult. Uh, I will say this, Orlando Brown's excuse, I guess we should say that in that way, uh, to only managing 14 was something. To quote Orlando Brown, he didn't stick with his breathing plan Hence the low bench press, and he's just keeping it real. He knows it will be held against him. Um, I'm guessing that his breathing plan won't exactly work on Sundays all the time either. Who knows? I mean, look, 
guys just have bad days, right? It's it's part of the reason why I think pro day times and results are important as well. We all have bad days at our job at some time. And these guys are getting up super early, going through a strenuous process, and maybe it just doesn't go according to plan every single time. So I'm guessing he'll redo it and later on the process, and we'll see what that number is. But again, I kind of think that bench press is absolutely worthless, and I don't really know what it projects either. With that said, though, the high, high, high-end scores um, stand out in a positive way. Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, both put up 29 reps. We know Saquon is 233 pounds. That's basically putting up his body weight 29 times. The same thing with Nick Chubb, who stands 227 pounds. I'm excited to see both of those players work out tomorrow. Quickly, I forgot to mention this for the wide receivers. You know my buddy Matt Harmon does reception perception. He came out and said that James Washington actually has, has the James Washington actually has the third best contested catch rate that he's charted that goes with Chris Godwin and Josh Doxson. It's interesting because just watching his game, I'm not necessarily sure if he kind of goes up and gets it like Chris Godwin and Josh Doxson, but there are certainly cases on those vertical routes where he is streaking down the field and a corner might be in his hip pocket or whatever, and he does win those 50-50 balls. So James Washington is probably someone I was lower on earlier in the process, and Oklahoma State didn't even use him in every situation, right? A lot of third-down situations, they went to Marcel Aitman. So James Washington is someone who was going to put up a great athletic profile. I mean, I think we can all say that, put up a great senior ball practice. So it's one of those where I'm still adjusting, still being fluid, and still looking at all of his positives and seeing what those positives create in the NFL. Let's quickly hit on a few news and notes from the pressers. I guess we have to start with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, we heard from Hugh Jackson and we heard from John Dorsey. From Hugh Jackson, he didn't want to talk about his height threshold that he mentioned a couple years ago, which was six foot two. Um, he instead wanted to talk about hand size, and he said that hand size really matters and mentioned the elements. Well, Quarterback with the biggest hands is is obviously Josh Allen among the top quarterbacks, but it's more just about passing a threshold, I think at least, but who knows what Hugh Jackson thinks because we certainly do not have our mind working in similar ways. Uh, John Dorsey uh, was asked about taking a running back in the top five, taking a running back very, very early at the top of the draft. John Dorsey brought up Gail Sayers' name. Sorry. Here's the exact quote. I mean, if you go back at Gale Sayers, where was Gale Sayers picked back in the day? He was picked up really early up there, and he was a difference maker too. So, I mean, it's a case-by-case study. Gale Sayers was drafted in 1965. John Dorsey was four years old, and that was the number four overall selection. Um, I think football and how teams are built and how the game is played... It's kind of different than 1965, so I'm not sure if I would use that example necessarily. But you know what this kind of makes me think is his mind goes to the top running back in his class, in this class, Saquon Barkley. And in his mind, he might believe that Gale Sayers is a comparable player to Saquon Barkley. That's just one thought process because the other ones are all over the place, uh, in my opinion. That's, That's kind of it. Not too much to take from today from the... Coach's point of view from the GM's point of view. 
Friday is really where this thing gets going. You're probably listening to this the Friday morning, maybe even watching these 40s. I'm really excited for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. On-field portions, plenty to take from there because finally we get to generate these athletic profiles. And again, as we head on to the 40 times, do not freak out about one high or one low test score in those individual scores necessarily, right? One 40 time doesn't make a prospect. A bad 40 time doesn't necessarily ruin a prospect either. Instead, let's try to focus and find these composite scores. But I will say, again, and I mentioned this yesterday's episode, if we are focusing on one individual score that at the tip top does project success, offensive line and the 20-yard short shuttle does that. So that's it for Thursday on to Friday. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, hit me up on Twitter at Josh Norris. If you enjoy this, what you want changed, things like that. I'm always open to your feedback and I really, really do appreciate it. And most importantly, subscribe. Talk to you all soon. See ya.